Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. So this morning, I just want to take some time to pray for us. Um, you know, in light of everything that's going on, it's so intense. There's so much that's happening. And one of the things that I see is that throughout our history and throughout our time, so many things have been done in the name of Christ, in the name of Christianity. And I think it's important to talk about that. It's important to talk about what is a true Christian, what is true Christianity, and what is false Christianity, and what is a false Christian, right? Um, So let's pray this morning. Father, I just want to pray for all those that are listening this morning, Uh, you know, them tuning in maybe for the first time ever, even just to hear something about God or something about the Word or or, or, or Christianity, and I just pray that somehow they'll, we'll all be able to hear from you, that you would draw us close to you in this time, that you'd help us with these even confusing and difficult times, these times where we're questioning, you know, what's really going on, what's really happening in our hearts and in this world, in this society, in America today. I pray for all those that are in leadership this morning, God, throughout the, the churches, throughout the city, throughout the government, throughout the U.S. God, I pray for them. I pray that their hearts would turn towards you. I pray uh, for all the people that have been hurt and that have been taken advantage of, that God, their hearts would not harden, but they would become soft. I pray for, for the church to rise up, the true church of Christ that truly wants to lay down their lives for their neighbors, for their friends, that they their hearts would be softened, God, that, that they would not lose focus and, and, and be distracted from a true love towards our neighbor, a true love towards you, God. I pray that you would lead us to yourself, that you would feed us, that you'd feed our hearts, you'd feed our minds, you'd feed our souls with the living word of God, with that water that says that when we drink of it, we will never thirst again. Father, I pray that that you would just come into us, in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit. You promised to be the Holy Spirit that would comfort us and encourage us and that you would be there in times when we're, we're, we're discouraged, when, when we don't understand, when, when things don't make sense. And you would speak truth to us. You would comfort us in our time of hurt, in our time of need. So I pray for that this day. I pray this morning as I speak the word that people will begin to be able to hear from you. And they'll be able to be touched by you. And that they would know that they're not alone and that you're there really present with them. Father, I pray that all of our church would be led towards you. That they would feed and learn and grow in you. In Jesus' name. Pray for that this morning. So there is true and false Christianity. There's true and false Christians. As a matter of fact, Jesus uh, shared with us exactly what how to how to know about them, what that looks like. He went ahead in Matthew chapter seven. If you could get your Bibles out or your or your phone, you're not going to be able to be on your phone because you're looking at me. But get your Bible out. We're in Matthew seven. I'm going to read these scriptures slowly. But Matthew chapter seven verses fifteen to twenty says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Does a man gather grapes from a thorn bush and figs from a thistle? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. And he asks the question, A good tree? Cannot, or he says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So what does Jesus hit right away in the very beginning? He says, look, 
you got to be aware of these false prophets. What are false prophets? They're basically people that claim to speak for God or speak about God, basically claim to be Christian, claim to believe in Jesus, and they go out and they say these things. They might, you know, speak scripture. They might be part of a church. They might be uh, a, a have a high position in the church. They might have a large following behind them. They might be one of the so-called experts or so-called, you know, people that 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 say that that are that are are legit, right? But Jesus said that that's that could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm not here to cause doubt or or concern or untrust. But Jesus wanted to make it very clear that you will know them by their fruits. You will know the tree by its fruit. If it's a bad tree, it's going to bear bad fruit because it can't bear good fruit. And and he warns us. Why does he warn us? What we're going to see as we get through the sermon, why he warns us. It's so important for us to see the distinction, see the difference. Titus 1.16 says it this way. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Titus is saying, look, there are people that actually claim and say, I know God. right? I believe in God. But yet by their own works, you can see. It's detestable. Paul, the apostle, on his mission journey, shares with us in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six a little bit about his journey and what went on. He says, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers. That's understandable. High rivers are very dangerous. In danger from bandits. In danger from my fellow Jews. Paul points out right there that the religious people, the religious Jews that were not Christian at that moment, were actually hurting Paul or after Paul. They're bringing danger to him. And then it says, I was in danger from Gentiles. Those are them that have not come to know Christ. So what? So when we see in the Bible, it, it basically gives two uh, distinctions, people that were Jew and then everyone else, every other nation. So it says every other type of person, every other nation was also bringing danger. I was in danger in the city. I was in danger in the country. I was in danger at sea. And I face danger, watch this, from men who claim to be believers but are not. Other translation says false brethren. You know, I could understand for people that don't believe in Christ to persecute, and I'm not saying it's right, but to hurt someone else. But from their own people that say they believe in Christ. So what does that say? They were false Christians. They were believing in a false Christianity. And that's what we see. Paul points it out, and that's at the very beginning of the church. Remember, Paul was one of the newest Christians, and he started some of the he started all a lot of many new churches as he went around from place to place. Now, I'll give you an example of some of these atrocities that have happened in the name of Christ, the name of Christianity. This isn't all, and this is not exhaustive, but this is just a taste and just a small part, but but very, very, very huge. It says um, the one of them is the Spanish Inquisition. This was in the late 1400s where we find um, the, the Spaniards and, and Spain deciding to go ahead and to now tell Jews and Muslims, if you don't believe this way, they wanted to force them to believe it. And if not, they had to move out. They had to leave the area. Or if they did convert, they investigated what they believed. And if it wasn't in line to the way they believe, they were prosecuted, even to the point of death. Now, we find that. Uh, with the Spanish Inquisition also came conquering land. But truth number one, I want to point you to this. You will never find Jesus nor his apostles ever forcing anyone to believe. 
A religion and a belief is never supposed to be forced upon anyone. It's not truly faith then. See, faith is given by God as a gift. He gives us the ability to believe in Christ. It's not something you force people to do. And in fact, you can't even convince people. All you can do is share the good news about Jesus. And then if they believe, it's because God gives them faith. God gives them belief. He gives them a new heart to believe this. So it's never forced. You never see Jesus ever forced. As a matter of fact, if you follow Jesus' ministry, many times he was walking away from the people and he was seeing if they were going to follow him. He wasn't trying to go after them and force them and get them to believe something. Because why? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He is what they are looking for. And so you'll never find, number truth number one, is that Jesus doesn't force anyone to believe. Then we find in this Inquisition, the Spaniards began to conquer, right? They conquered there in Europe, uh, but they also conquered in South America, Central America, and North America. And they forced religion, but not just that, but they also took land. They took that from those uh, indigenous people, the natives that were there. Now, this hits home for me because my hometown is Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now, Santa Fe is, is, is translated uh, Santa meaning holy, and Fe means faith. The city of holy faith, that's the name of my city in English. Some of the mountains that are around, one of them is, is named, they're beautiful, nice uh, snow-capped mountains most of the year, are the Sangre de Cristo, meaning the blood of Christ mountains. So we see that these names in Spanish were given to this area because the Spanish conquered that area. Now I sent in my DNA to, to Ancestry.com and I'm 38% Spaniard and 31% Indigenous America, Native. So part of my roots go back to those that imposed on others their faith, their, their beliefs. They took the land and they also enslaved and I don't know who, and I don't know how many. I wasn't there, right? But from our history, we hear that, we see that. And then we also have part of my roots saying that that happened to part of my roots. Part of the people that my roots go to are those that got taken advantage of. What a mess. And that's what happens when we do things in the name of Christ, in the name of Christianity, that is not of God whatsoever. Number truth number two, Jesus never takes land. You'll never find Jesus taking land. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he didn't have a place to lay his head to rest. It says foxes have holes, right? The birds have places to nest themselves, but our Heavenly Father had no place to lay his head to rest. Much different kind of Jesus, right? Much different kind of Christianity. Now, another atrocity we find is when people took uh, Africans from their home from their place, they captivated them, and they turned around and brought them to America in ships, and they began to sell them as property, where they had no rights, where they were mistreated, uh, they, they, were, they were not done by their own free will. This is captivation, enslavement. And some of those people bought them, and the ones that sold them went to church on Sunday and claimed to be Christian or claimed to be in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen where Jesus has ever uh, enslaved someone. Jesus did not enslave anyone. As a matter of fact, he says he came to set the captive free. Now, we know that's a spiritual bondage, but obviously when you're set spiritually free, you get set free physically as well, right? As a matter of fact, you know, Jesus 
I said, don't call one, anyone father. Don't call anyone good, but only God, right? In other words, we don't belong to anyone other than Jesus, other than God the Father, right? He's our dad. He's our spiritual father. That's who we belong to. We are free. We're free in Christ. And Jesus never enslaved. You'll never find that in the Bible. Why? Because that's false. It's a false Christianity. Now, why do you think Jesus made, Jesus made it a point to tell us about false prophets? Why do you think that Jesus made it a point to tell us what false Christianity is all about? Because it's the worst kind of evil. It's the worst kind of evil. Any evil done in the name of Christ is the very worst evil. And we've seen this throughout history. We've seen, and this is the last one here that I want to point out, is that when people take other people's lives because of their ethnicity, right? Or their belief, they believe something else, their religion or their non-religion. Jesus came to, to give life. Truth number four is Jesus came to give life, not take it. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. As a matter of fact, he says, love your enemies. We find that in the garden when they go to pick him up and he's about to be crucified by the Roman guards. Peter goes for his knife and goes to, at one of the guards, probably for his throat, and misses him and cuts his ear off. Jesus grabs his ear and instantly puts it back onto the soldier and he tells Peter, look, don't do that. That's not my way, right? Jesus was not here to conquer. Jesus was not here to conquer for land or for power or for prestige or for a following. His kingdom was of the heart. The heart is what Jesus' kingdom was all about, the heart of man. So we find, number four, Jesus never came to take life. He came to give it. Now, I want to try to really, really clarify this. So, now, I'm going to say a few names, and please don't get offended by this, but I want to share this. If Billy Graham, T.D. Jakes, Mother Teresa, the Pope, or any other religious figure you could think of in your life would ever endorse any of the atrocities that I named above, by their own admission of them being okay with that would mean that they were false. I don't care how large their following is. I don't care how long they've been in, in their positions. I don't care what good so-called so that they've done. If they are okay with that, then they are false. Because that's bad fruit. Bad fruit equals false. Good fruit equals true. Now, remember that. Jesus said, Good fruit, true, bad fruit, false. It's not Christian, and it's not Christianity to mistreat anyone and treat them unfairly because of their ethnicity or their religion. So that means in law enforcement, in our judicial system, in our school system, in the business world, in nonprofits, and God forbid, in the church. And we're seeing that right now. We're seeing in America how churches are dividing. I just read an article the other day about uh, a pastor in his church, uh, how they voted him out. He's been there three years and how, you know, he celebrates Black History Month and how he, you know, is, 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 uh, um, is showing love towards, you know, his neighbor, basically. And the church somehow was able to vote him and they vote him out. But he actually wasn't upset. He started in a new church called The Bridge. 
And he's excited to see what God's going to do. And he doesn't want anything bad for the church. But that just goes to show you the false from the truth. And that's what's going to happen. And it's not just with what we're seeing right now when it comes to racism or to, you know, uh, all these uh, systemic injustices that are going on. It's not going to just come with that. But I believe that there's going to be wave upon wave upon wave of things that we're going to see and experience as people in America and across the world. That's really going to draw out the true from the false. And that's not in a prideful way. That's in a humble way. Because God loves us and he cannot stand and doesn't uh, sit on the side just saying you know it's okay for you to hurt people or or to play both sides of the fence right and i'm not talking about division i'm talking about truly loving jesus loving god and loving our neighbor just as jesus said revelation 2 21 8 says but as for the cowardly the faithless, the detestable, and as for murderers, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death, bad fruit. Remember what Jesus said? All the bad trees that are bearing bad fruit will be thrown into the fire. God is not playing. God does not play. We might be playing games. We might be telling ourselves, hey, I don't feel bad for what I do. I feel okay. Things are going well. As a matter of fact, my little following's growing. I've gotten more power, more prestige, more money, more this, more that with everything that I've done. But if it is against Christ, if it is against God's word, and the fact that you don't feel bad may not be a sign of God's goodness and his favor, but actually God's wrath towards you. Romans 1 28 to 29 says it this way. And since the day and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. There you find in Romans, if you back up, it says, For the wrath of God is against all ungodliness. And then it describes how that wrath comes into play. He gives them the ability to do the wrong that they're doing. It, it, he gives them, I'm not sorry, the ability, but the, it gives them over to a debased mind. You want to do evil and you want to call it good. You want to call it Christian. You want to call it whatever you want to call it and justify it. Go ahead. That's the wrath. We're in a culture that says, hey, if you feel good, just do it. Or no one can tell me what to do, right? No one can tell me, hey, as long as I feel it's okay, it's okay for me. If it's not okay for you, it's not okay for you. Well, the very fact that you're able to not feel bad for the things that you do could be the sign of God's wrath. If you do something wrong, and you feel bad, I don't care if it's the smallest thing, something that's so insignificant, and you feel bad, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Thank God that God has put in your heart to feel bad when you do wrong. That's a good thing. That means the Holy Spirit is possibly working in your heart and giving you a conscience and giving you a soul that, that longs for what God longs for, that is hurt for the things that God is hurt for. That means that maybe you see people as people and not as objects, that means that maybe that God is, is using you to, to be able to love someone in the way that they don't deserve to be loved like God loves us when we don't deserve it. So we find in, in Romans uh, chapter uh, 1 verses 20 to 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. God gives them over. He allows them to do that, which is so hurtful and so hard. 
and 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 we think that man just because people get away with it or they don't feel bad about it it's right it's not right so thank god if you feel bad for something now this leads me to the origin of the word christian and christianity it's so amazing and mind-blowing how the word christian and christianity came about we find the word christian given by outsiders this happens when a place called Antioch, a city called Antioch. Antioch was basically all the world's place in one area. There was a big wall and it went in a circle around the city. And with inside the wall, people did business, but there was a bunch of other walls that would separate people. There was a bunch of separation. But the Christians came to Antioch. They actually called them Christ followers. And they began to see people that were divided and been divided for thousands of years now come together as one people showing love and relationship and business and being there for one another and those in antioch were like what's going on this is unprecedented never seen this happen nations and people groups coming together jews and gentiles alike and they said those are the little christ and they added the word iam to say those are christians they made this term up for them coming together because it was like no other there was basically no word to describe this it was a word that just started with the christian that they were not divided but now they were united ephesians 2 14 says it this way for christ himself has brought peace to us he united jews and gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Wow. When we think of the word Christ, when we think of the cross, when we think of the word Christian, it's so meaningful. That basically what it, what it, what it means at that moment is that Christ took that wall of hostility between us and him, but more important, or just as importantly, between us and others. And he broke it down through the death of his own body, the death of his own life on the cross. That's what it means to be a Christian. Or that's, that's the term that they gave for Christians, that they were now united, they were once divided. Something that's impossible without Christ. Impossible. He broke down that wall of hostility that separated us. So what's the answer? What's the answer to, to the problem? What's the answer to all that's going on? You know what the answer is? True Christianity and true Christians. People becoming true Christians. See, if you only change the laws and the systems, the heart stays the same. Yes, those need to change. Yes, it's just and right for laws and systems and processes to be changed that are unfair and unright, that are hurtful and harmful. But people will just find another way around it if their heart isn't changed. Only Christ brings down the wall of hostility in each and every one of us, in each and every one of our hearts. How does Jesus do this? Not by pushing people away or writing them off, he does it by coming close to them. It's not by external force. It's not by the outside, but by coming within proximity. And we find that in his life and his ministry. We find him coming close 
to those that society said were rejects, to those that said they were no good. He also comes to the close to the religious, right? Those that plotted his death, the Jewish religious people at that time, he comes close to Nicodemus at night and tells him he must be born of the water of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven. He comes close to the tax collector, those that were taking advantage and taking more. And as those hearts of those men change, just like Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus turned around and says, man, I've done so much harm, I'm going to give back and even pay uh, four times the amount of what I took. That's the difference. That's the change. See, you can you can change the outside. You can make you can enforce people to do things, but that doesn't mean their heart changes. And whoever they influence, and their their family, their friends, their circle of influence, they're going to keep spreading whatever angst, whatever anger, whatever hurt, whatever they believe that is against Christ and against others. They're going to spread that. Only Christ changes the heart. Here's a quote from David Paulson. I think it puts it into perspective. Good anger operates as one aspect of mercy. It brings good into bad situations. It stands up for the helpless and victimized. It calls out wrongdoers, but holds out promises of forgiveness, inviting wrongdoers to a new life. You can have a wrongdoer go to jail. You can have a wrongdoer pay back what he did, but he's still a wrongdoer until Christ comes in his life. See, we see Jesus. The greatest example is Jesus on the cross. Jesus is there on the cross, and all the wrongdoers were around him that put him there on the cross. And that's me, right? I put him there by my sins. And he turns around while he's about to die, and he says, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what to do. See, he was drawing close to the people and he was calling them close to him because if they could see the love that he has, that he would die for his enemies, they could become a new person in Christ. They too could one day die for their enemies. They too could forgive others as Christ was forgiving them. Jesus was willing to be labeled a sinner Jesus would be willing to be labeled uh, an enemy from his own religious background. See, when the someone truly becomes a Christian, they change. And when they change, society changes. Good fruit equals true Christian. I'm not saying Christians are always going to be, always do right. They're, they're going to be perfect. No, they're going to fail. But the difference is, is they can admit their failure and they can ask for forgiveness and they're willing to do what it takes to turn the other way. That's the difference. They don't continue in it. They don't perpetuate it. They don't, they don't uh, approve of wrongdoing. They're actually broken in their heart for the wrong that they do and the wrong that others do. True Christianity will move people, move you towards people, not away. They will love their enemy, not hate them. They will talk to them in the chance that Possibly by them hearing of the gospel, they too would be able to come and receive the gospel. That one day they would come to know Christ. So the wall would come down between them and God and them and others. See, when that wall comes down between us and God, man, all it leaves us is with this compassion for others. It's like the parable of the man that got, you know, uh, forgiven for a million dollars. Then he goes to another uh, guy that owed him like a hundred bucks. And he says, man, you're going to go to jail when he just got set free from being forgiven a million dollars. And the, and the, and the ruler comes over and says, man, hey, 
I just forgave you for a million dollars and you're giving this guy a hard time for a hundred dollars. That's how it is. Like between us and God and our sin, it's an eternity away. It's so expensive that it costs Christ uh, uh, life on the cross. We can never pay it. And he's forgiven us for that compared to what others have done to us. When we've done bad things ourselves. It's so important, church, that we don't allow our hearts to become hard towards others. No matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, we must not allow our hearts to become hard. Or we too possibly can harm others as we've been harmed. I'll end with this story. It's a true story. Hopefully it illustrates true and false Christianity. Um, it's uh, Jim Elliott. And you can look it up, and also you can watch the movie. It's called The End of the Spear. You probably have a Netflix or what other medium you have. Jim Elliott was, him and his crew, about five other men and their wives and children were missionaries. Now, they were living in America for the time, and they were studying a place called, uh, it was in Ecuador, and it was with the Wadani people. They began to study their language, and he had this plane, you know, those two-seater planes. It was yellow, uh, you know, the open seating where you could just, you know, fly up, be able to, you know, shout out the side of it. Well, what they would do is they'd fly over this tribe, the Wadani tribe, and they would, would say things in their language like, we're here, we're here as friends, we come in, feast, uh, come in peace. And they would drop different items that maybe that would be helpful for them, tools and, you know, even food and things like that. And they did that for a while. And then they kept praying and praying and praying and say, it's time to... Um, to make contact with them. So these five men, and of course they have their wives and their children back, children back home, go to attempt to make contact with them. And as they go in, they land their plane, they're all excited, and then you see some of the, the tribe coming, the, the Wadani men come. And they're loaded with their spears, because these are spears obviously to fight against each other and also to kill animals. And what, what happens is, is, is horrific. They, they turn around, and even though they're saying in their language they come in peace, they mean no harm, they ended up spearing each one of those five men. They get the news, the, the, wives, and the, the wives and the children, the family gets the news that all the men were speared to death. And, I mean, so tragic after, you know, going out there with the right intentions going to a foreign land that doesn't belong to them, going to a people group that doesn't, doesn't know them, they don't know, know each other, they never had contact before, in, 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 with the intention of just sharing that Jesus loves them. What they didn't know then and they know now is that during that time, uh, for, pardon me, for many years, many generations, the Wadani people would end up, especially the men, killing each other. And there were very few older men or next generations that would, that would uh, move forward. So... The, what happens next is just like amazing. The wives of these men go and move with this tribe and become friends and then begin to share the gospel. And the very men that speared their husbands came to Christ. And for the first time in all of those generations of those people in that people group, they stopped spearing each other. The son of Jim Elliot goes to the tribe, and it was so, so hard for him. Imagine, he grew up, I think he was like seven years old. You'd watch him on, on the movie. It shows him with his little yellow plane like his dad. And, and when his dad would take off, he would, he would fly his plane in the air to pretend like he was with his dad flying in the air. And when he'd come back, and 
it was just it's so amazing. But imagine he's growing up without a dad because of these people that speared him for no reason. For maybe misunderstanding or fear or whatever it was. But Jim, now his son, also makes contact with them. And then he becomes friends, lifelong friends, with the very man that took his dad's life. That's true Christianity. That's a true Christian. Jesus was willing to give his life for others. True Christianity is saying, I'm willing to give my life. Jesus says, if, you, if you're willing to come after him, you must deny yourself. In order to find your life, you must lose your life. See, they were all armed, those men, with guns, the, the missionaries. But they knew that if they would have tried to protect themselves and shoot those Wadani people, that those Wadani people didn't know Jesus and didn't know forgiveness. So instead of pulling their arms, they allowed them to kill them because they knew that they would go with Jesus. They have heard the gospel. That's true Christianity. See, we didn't have to land on a land and, and colonize and take advantage of people in order for us to, to make it better. And that's what happened in America. We trespassed. People trespassed and they, they, they enslaved people, they colonized people, didn't need to do that. Those Wadani people are, are now, many of them are Christians. And the gospel spread throughout. I know this is a really intense and tough times that we've been, and I just want to remind you that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy wants to come to destroy and to divide and to take us, uh, get us off track from really loving our neighbor. Coming close to people that disagree, that are way on the uh, uh, wrong side uh, uh, of truth, that are believing a lie, that are hurtful. He wants us to keep us separate so we don't have this conversation, so we don't spread the light, right? We're the light of the world. Christians are the light of the world. Spread the truth that God is is just and he's holy he doesn't like wrongdoing and he died on the cross for our wrongdoing that we are all sinners them you me we're all sinners but he died for that i want to leave us with this scripture and i want to end with today with prayer john 13 35 says by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another Jesus prayed three times that we would be united. And he says, all people will know that you're my disciples by your love one for another.